Thanks for joining us for Brewing Faith, where we bring the hard questions to the table as we talk about the future of our church. Last month, we discussed the changing dynamics of catechesis in the church. We talked about staying at the table and addressed relativism. Today, we're going to dig a little deeper into the question of belief and community. What does community mean? What does it look like to be a part of a faith community? How do you find it? Grab your coffee or tea, whatever you like to brew, and let's get started. St. Anselm, a Benedictine monk and Archbishop of Canterbury in the 11th century, coined the phrase, faith-seeking understanding. This classical definition of theology demonstrates something profound about faith. Faith instills a desire to seek understanding, to give meaning to our lives. St. Augustine, the founder of the Augustinians, similarly stated, Believe that you may understand. And in our own Franciscan tradition, we have the prayer that Francis prayed before the crucifix. Most high, glorious God, enlighten the shadows of my heart and grant me a right faith, a certain hope, and perfect charity. Sense and understanding, Lord, so that I may accomplish your holy and true command. This prayer demonstrates Francis's craving to understand his faith and to use that understanding to follow the call of God. I recently began a PhD program in organizational leadership at Eastern University. Eastern, while founded in the Baptist tradition, strives for inclusivity of all faiths while unapologetically remaining true to their Christian founding. The chaplain of the university, who also happens to be one of my professors, introduced us to the Lutheran theologian, Christer Stendhal, and his three rules of religious understanding. First, when you are trying to understand another religion, you should ask the adherents of that religion and not its enemies. Second, don't compare your best to their worst. And third, leave room for holy envy. The chaplain has a particular affinity for this phrase, holy envy, and I must admit it's rubbing off on me. Every day we turn on the news, we are faced with incredible partisanship. It seems civil discourse no longer has a place in political or religious realms. I want to share a story of Francis of Assisi that reminds us of the importance of holy envy. In 1219, during the Fifth Crusade, Francis went out to meet the Sultan, the head of the Islamic faith. He went with the goal of converting the, quote, infidels. But upon meeting the Sultan, Francis encountered a holy man devoted to prayer, 
who cared deeply for his people. We don't know the exact nature of Francis's time with the community, but we do know some time was spent in which presumably Francis prayed, ate, and conversed with the people. Francis left no longer believing he needed to convert them, for they were people of God. Francis had experienced holy envy. He saw the good, and he was changed by it. Franciscans today hold dear the writings of Francis, specifically his praises of God. You are holy, Lord, the only God. You do wonders. You are strong. You are great. You are the Most High. In true Franciscan fashion, he goes on and on naming God with various attributes attesting to God's goodness. It is believed that the writing of this prayer was influenced by Francis's time with the Sultan and their proclaiming the 99 names of God. This is holy envy at its core. Not only reverencing another's traditions and beliefs, but making them your own within your own faith and understanding. It can be very easy to misjudge what I'm sharing as religious relativism, but I would suggest it is in actuality a healthy religious pluralism. You see, relativism leads to the lack of ability to engage across the table with the other. Relativism allows me to shut down and say, let's agree to disagree, and leads to a lack of understanding. Religious pluralism, however, leads to conversation, openness to the other, and the possibility of reconciliation. It leads to saying, that's really beautiful. So much so that I'd like to incorporate that into my own tradition using my own beliefs. Today, instead of engaging openly and authentically with the other, we are building walls and putting up barriers to keep the other out. Community cannot be formed in an environment so committed to separating structures. Community comes from openness to all, including those who may not be like us. Community involves conversation and contemplation. Nine and a half years ago, I moved into community with three women who could easily be my mother. Frankly speaking, two of them could easily be my grandmother. And if the three of them are listening, I'm sure they would accept these names and roles in my life without offense. I moved into community with them when I began discerning religious life. I was 27, the oldest, 72. All of us were incredibly nervous about moving in together. What were we possibly going to do with each other? In fact, when Sister Joan was told how old I was, she rather loudly asked the requesting sister, 
27? Do you know how old we are? In time, age didn't matter. There are absolutely challenges to intergenerational living, but there is also a beauty in it. I have had other community experiences in my life in which all the members were my contemporaries. There are still challenges. Moral of the story, community is hard work, but well worth it. I kept a blog when I was living at Corpus Christi. I would like to share an excerpt from one of my earliest posts living with the sisters. This evening, while cleaning up from dinner, I discovered that the distance between the two countertops in our kitchen is the perfect distance to hold yourself up and swing as if you were a gymnast on the parallel bars. At 27, osteoporosis and arthritis have not yet found their way into my life. And so this maneuver is easy for me. Much to my surprise, Joan and Maureen both attempted my crazy shenanigans. Don't let their age fool you. They swung themselves through our kitchen like Tarzan through the jungle. Okay, maybe not quite. But we didn't end up in the emergency room and that has got to count for something. Mid-swing, Joan proclaimed that we would be sharing and learning a lot from each other this year. As silly as this moment that we shared was, I believe it defines the life of community. I'm not here to be formed alone. I too bring something to this community, and through our mutual sharing, we will grow and become more fully the women that God created us to be. And that's the ultimate beauty of community. Yes, it may be hard. It may present challenges, and we might feel lost sometimes. But community, at its core, is about learning from each other, supporting each other, and having fun while we do it. Today, I've invited Catherine and Madison, who work on Red Hill Farm, to have a conversation with us. They will tell you a little bit about the farm in a minute. We are incredibly grateful to them for their openness to share their personal faith stories. I was born Catholic. This is the family I was given at birth. So through the ups and downs, I stay at the table because it's part of the community I've always been in. But Catherine is a fairly new convert to Catholicism. She chose this family despite its messiness. And Madison is exploring faith traditions and community and discerning where God is leading her. So thank you both for your presence here today and your willingness to share your life journey. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. So before we jump into your faith journeys, you're both in your 20s, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, and you're both organic farmers. Yes. yes. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about that and what drew you to that, mm -hmm. this specific place and time in your life? Uh, so for me, um, I got started farming in college, and that was because I became really interested in food systems, and I wanted to start from the ground up, so I literally started farming, and it just so happened that I really liked it, and I wanted to keep exploring it, and I think farming was very, it's a very healing job, so it, it mm. kept drew, drawing me back, and so when 
I applied to work at Red Hill Farm. I really was seeking a place to get my head straight because I just graduated from college and I wasn't really sure what was next for me and I knew I loved agriculture and that it, it was a healing space so I thought it'd be a, a good place and it worked out well. Nice. With how is farming healing for you? Farming's healing because it's good work with my hands and my body. And uh -huh. so it, it allows my head to kind of turn off mm -hmm. and it lets like my senses to really like lead me and, and my body to lead me and it so it, it clears my head and gives me a purpose that you can see at the end of the day like you see what you've done and so it feels accomplishing so you feel good about yourself and what you did and um and then the other aspect is like connecting with the earth like mm, that's yeah. so healing like getting your hands in, in the soil and really caring for something else that's not just me so taking care of the plants or the soil or um yeah I guess those two would, would cover it there right. so, yeah yes, Madison mm -hmm. So, Catherine, how about you? What brought you to Red Hill Farm? Yeah, so this is actually the first the first real farm job that I've worked. I did some work in a college garden over the summer, and I've liked gardening for a long time, but I got, again, in college, interested in agriculture. And I knew I needed to take a year off before going to grad school. So I was looking to do something that would be really meaningful and soul-feeding, but also give me some sort of practical experience with agriculture things that I want to pursue later in life. Um, so I'm not actually a typical standard farm employee. I am part of the Franciscan Volunteers No Risk No Gain program. Um, I found that through a friend who'd done it previously, and I'd had really good experiences early in my time as a Catholic with the Franciscans. And I knew I liked farming, and when there was a Franciscan <laughs> program with a farming <laughs> option, it seemed like a really good fit. Um, yeah, so I would I would echo what Madison was saying about it being really healing. Mm. Um, I think we both said it's the best job we've ever had. Mm -hmm. It's really... That's great. You mm -hmm. come to the farm Monday morning, and you're not like, oh, it's a Monday. You're like, oh, I'm now calm, sane, and steady, mm -hmm. and everything <laughs> is beautiful, and it's a, yeah. good, it's a good experience. Oh, that's wonderful. So, Catherine, how did you start on the journey to becoming Catholic? Oh, goodness. It was my freshman year of college. I was taking an introductory political science class. And at the end of the class, we were, we'd been studying a variety of theories of justice. At the end of the class, we touched on two explicitly religious theories of justice, one being a Protestant sort of Reinhold Niebuhr situation, the other being... Catholic social teaching. Um, and I really liked Catholic social teaching. I was very, very drawn to it and said, hey, maybe I want to be Catholic. And I <laughs> did like a quick, what do Catholics believe, Google, and said, oh no, this is not for me. <laughs> but I guess the, the thought had been planted at that point. And the following semester, I did a study abroad trip in London. One of my professors was Catholic. We were doing a... Uh, integrative Western civilization, theology, philosophy, history sort of thing. And talking to him a lot really got me, got me launched in the direction of more seriously considering the Catholic Church. Oh, interesting. Did you grow up in a religious family? I did, yeah. Um, my family is Protestant of various flavors. 
Um, yeah, and so I was, at that point, still still knew I believed in God, and probably even in the resurrection, but was not entirely at home in that church, and was definitely looking for something that would be right, a better fit, more satisfying, something like that. So, so coming from a religious family, how did your family take it when you decided, okay, yes, I'm going to move in this direction, I'm going to take that first active step to becoming Catholic? For the most part, they were very supportive, um, especially my immediate family. I think they're just really glad that I found a, a church home. Um, that's the phrase my dad uses a lot. He says, you know, I'm proud of you, pal. I'm glad you found a home. And, <laughs> Um, it was a little harder for my some of my extended family, I think, especially my grandparents on my mom's side, uh, being from a more conservative Protestant background, had some real concerns about the church and theology. Right. Um, and some of that has been, some of that has been maybe not resolved, but soothed recently. I had a really mm. good conversation with my grandma that, um... I think she found really reassuring in a lot of ways, and mm. she's much more excited now about the journey that I've been on than she was previously, so that's uh, it's a lovely thing. Yeah, I think conversation's so important. I think especially around these conversations of faith and um, faith communities and beliefs, finding that we can be open and have those conversations and say, like, well, what concerns you about this? And to be able to address that mm -hmm. rather than living in that initial space of that first Google search of, yes. oh, I can't believe in this. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but going a little deeper and saying, oh, but maybe there is something good in this that I can hold on to and yeah. believe in. Um, so that's wonderful. So there's a lot of churches out there. So lots of ways of being Christian. But what were those initial things that drew you into Catholicism specifically? I think the first moment where I knew I had to really seriously pursue this was in London. We'd been, we'd been reading the Council of Trent, which is maybe not the first thing <laughs> you would think of for making someone go, oh, <laughs> I really like this. Uh, but it wasn't so much that as afterwards. My professor was giving sort of a, a brief defense slash explanation of a Catholic view of salvation because again this is a this was a Protestant school this is a largely religious but not Catholic environment that he was in and so he was kind of uh, entering into some dialogue with us helping us understand and his articulation of redemption was really beautiful and was really appealing to me mm -hmm. Um, and he was giving you a Catholic perspective? He was giving me a Catholic perspective, and it was very much how I had, on, on my own, been thinking about it. And I had a moment of like, oh, maybe these aren't heretical thoughts. <laughs> maybe this is a valid perspective within a faith community that I'm just not as familiar with. Um, and isn't it great when we have those moments yes. of, oh, I have <laughs> felt this my whole life, and someone has just alone. told me <laughs> others believe this. Yeah. That was definitely a big moment reading Laudato Si for the first time mm. was a really big moment. I Hence the Franciscan connection. Hence the Franciscan <laughs> connection. I was revisiting that recently and realizing how much that still really articulates that I care about in terms of society and justice and that it's sort of a, a background idea that shaped a lot of 
decisions that I'm making in my life. Does that feed into your agricultural yes, connection as well absolutely. and climate change? And... Absolutely. And it's interesting too because my reading Laudato Si really predated my interest in agriculture. Hmm. And so revisiting it now and finding that it it even more reflects the things that I care about now than it did when I first encountered it and found it so moving and that I'm sort of being drawn further into that tradition and that idea of yeah. ecological care and whatnot. That's great. So Madison, what about you? Did you grow up in a religious household? No, <laughs> I didn't. I, My parents um, were both raised in a church, and I think my dad... Pretty sure he was a Catholic, he was raised as a Catholic. Um, and my mom was raised in a Baptist church. And I think they both were a little uncomfortable in the church. And mm -hmm. so when they um, left you know, their families and decided to start their own family, they decided that they weren't going to raise us in the church. And I've had a lot of conversations with my mom as of recently, and she told me that her whole idea behind that, the, the motive of that, was to allow me to find how I wanted to come to God. Mm. And, yeah, so I, I really appreciate that space and freedom that they gave me growing up. I didn't even realize how much of a gift it was until mm. now. And that's, that's really great, too, that she did give you this gift of total freedom mm -hmm. to say, what do I believe and where mm -hmm. do I feel called? And, and so... Like, you spoke one time about your mom saying, like, just about good-hearted people. Yes. What can you say about that? I think that's more so, like, how I see my family and maybe mm -hmm. how we all kind of um, understand, like, our moral compass. It, it's more just about being good-hearted people, you know, like, treating people with respect and treating like yourself with respect and you know doing the right thing in situations whether that so while I wasn't raised in a religious household my parents definitely are good-hearted people and raised us um, with a moral compass that allows us to to be kind and, and respectful and generous to people and, and that's how I was raised and so while we never had, you know, that church to kind of, you know, guide us, I was, we had our own, like, little system. And I really appreciate that, too, because um, they are good-hearted people in my family, and they gave that gift to me again, too. So, Which, in a way, is a belief structure. It is. Yeah, it is. And I think I, I never really understood that until now, now that I'm learning more about um, the Catholic Church. Uh, I'm realizing that like all this stuff are like the frame is there like the frameworks there it's like getting all like little details together now so mm -hmm. for you how did you start this journey of faith and discovery I've started exploring my faith I honestly think since day one <laughs> like I always think I've been curious about God um, I remember when I was younger always pestering my mom to tell me about Jesus like I, I just was so curious I, I would hear my friends going to church or we would walk by a church or you know my extended family is very religious and so I just wanted to understand more um and throughout my whole life I've walked in and out of different churches I would go with my friends to their catholic church like every Sunday or I would go to a youth group so I, I always was exploring 
my faith and, and my connection to God. And I think I kind of took a break towards the end of high school. And I, I even, like, explored what is atheism? Like, what's mm. that about? Like, so I would start reading books about that and, and trying to, you know, see it from an objective point of view to understand that perspective and see if it fits with mine. Is that how your mind works? Do you need to yes. be objective and <laughs> seek out everything before you make a decision? Or I think that's things? my best self is to like <laughs> be objective and not just like jump into something. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I'm learning. I I like I would say what's most true is I like to see all perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not I make a decision isn't the point. It's just to be able to understand people better. Um, because some things are just true to people because they make sense, you know, and I want to understand that. So in college, I definitely explored more like Buddhism. Um, and I really got involved with a good group of people who, they weren't Buddhist, but they, it's funny, they talk like church people. Like it was an environmental science class and a group of people, but it was all about like spirituality and, and. Um, like believing in something bigger and I, and it was great and again I think that just added on to this framework that I have mm-hmm. so I've, I've always been exploring I explored a Lutheran church a universal Unitarian something what is it Unitarian church yeah I explored that <laughs> for a little bit um, and that just so happened that I started working on a farm and the Catholic community and here I am <laughs> so you seem like to live in the present. You seem super comfortable with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, we live in this world of super stressed, anxiety-ridden people, and you seem so comfortable being you and searching in your own time. Where do you think that comes from? I think it all starts because my parents let me. I always explore whatever I wanted to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, my dad was in the Navy, so I grew up a Navy brat, and we moved around all the time. So that uncertainty was kind of just woven into me, and it's just, it's not fearful, it's exciting. And I, mm. and I, I like, I like the unknown, because there's something to know, you know. Mm. And so, I am comfortable with that, and I'm uncomfortable with questioning, and to learn more, and, and. So you're into yeah. the exploration of it all. Yeah, I'm very into it. <laughs> so I want to go back to Red Hill Farm for a moment. Mm-hmm. You both worked with another younger farmer. Can you talk about your relationship with Jeff? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I, I usually like to describe Jeff by saying that he does, he gets away with things that would be socially frowned upon if other people did them. <laughs> Um, he's very, he's very earnest and is willing to dig deep conversationally very quickly. Um, I think my third day on Red Hill Farm, Jeff and I were weeding beets together and somehow it had already come up because Jeff, uh, that I was a convert to Catholicism and Jeff is himself Catholic and raised in the church and very devout. Um, so day three, we were weeding the beets and he says to me, (laughs) so how is your prayer life? (laughs) Which is just not a, not a conversational opener I think I would ever feel comfortable <laughs> using for someone I had just met, but... But you felt like, comfortable I felt him. comfortable. He, he's 
sort of an invitational person. I felt comfortable. We had that conversation. Um, the three of us started praying after work together some days. And That's <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> How about you, Madison? Um, Jeff and I went to Penn State together. Oh, and okay. so I knew him my freshman year because we both were um, in the same major and we both did similar jobs. We always laugh about that because like, we both worked on the student farm at Penn State. But at different times. Interesting. And it, like, I was always trailing him just by a little bit. And we both worked a backpacking leadership job. So we were always with each other um, and knew each other in the same classes and kind of in the same circles in some senses. And one day I got a call from a random number. I didn't, I didn't have this person's number. And he, I answered it, and he goes, hi, it's Jeff. And I said, who? <laughs> and he said, you know, it's Jeff Mers. And um, he said, are you working at Red Hill Farm? And I said, I'm starting next week. And he said, me too. And I was like, <laughs> I cracked up on the street. I probably looked like a crazy person. I almost fell to the ground because it was so random. It was so coincidental that we both... I'm not from Philly, like, I'm not from this area, that we mm -hmm. both just happened to be at the same place after just, you know, doing four years of college together, and I really think it was a blessing. Um, mm. I'm, I, like, firmly believe that this is God's work, that I was able to catch Jeff for, like, two months before he left for Africa to kind of get to know each other better, um, and he really brought me into the church and so thankful for him for that like I I that's God I can't think of any I don't want to say it's chance like I don't believe it was chance I think it was God right mm -hmm. a lot of people say there's no coincidences you know, I don't believe in coincidences. you know yeah. that God's work is in there mm -hmm. um, bringing people together and kind of reaching out to us giving us that call and it's still we still have our free will and we still can say yes or no to that but but the call is there and when we respond to it these beautiful things happen yes yeah, so real quick, you mentioned Jeff went to Africa. Yes. What's what's that about? <laughs> Jeff's in Africa um, on a Fulbright mm. scholarship, and he's doing um, he's teaching English to various ages. Last time I checked in with him, it's like eight year olds to like grandparents. Um, so he's there and he's doing that. And I think in his free time, he's exploring the Catholic community that's there. And I think he wants to like get involved with the farm or something like that so well, that's cool yeah. yeah so you mentioned Jeff bringing you Madison into yes. the church you want to say a little bit about yeah. what you mean by that <laughs> I mean again like what Catherine was saying about Jeff just doing things that like wouldn't be okay if anyone else did it but he has such <laughs> a big smile okay. like it's okay yeah. <laughs> um and he means well too mm -hmm. he yeah he one day it started off kind of slow like he like do you want to come pray with us and for me I I was a little uncomfortable with the idea because like I haven't really done that before like I pray in my own way but I've never prayed like in a Catholic way and I said sure why not and we started doing that and then one day he like gave me a bible and I was like wow this is so exciting thank you <laughs> and then we'd have like conversations in the parking lot about God and and then one day he called me and he said that he signed me up to do the RCIA program at a church <laughs> that I went to one time, like on a Sunday morning I had free near my apartment in Philly. Uh -huh. And he said, yeah, so you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely. <laughs> <And> again, 
it's not like I wasn't offended. I was very touched mm. because it's something that him and I had talked about where I was thinking about, should I learn more about the Catholic Church? Should I, you know, go on a path to get baptized? Like these were thoughts I had. And I think because it from the outside, as someone who wasn't raised in a church, it can seem very daunting. Mm. Like you just see this big church and you see yeah. all these years of tradition mm. and all these rituals and everyone's standing at certain times and sitting at certain times <laughs> and everyone knows the words. I don't know what's going on. Yep. So it, to have that invitation to come and he offered to go with me and to, that first time. And yeah, so he, he brought me into the church and I've been going to this class uh, every Thursday night since October, yeah. maybe earlier. And it's been really great. So you're a couple weeks in. Where are you, what yes. are you thinking? What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. I'm, I, on, like, it's been a, a roller coaster, I would say, a mm-hmm. bit. Like, there, at first, everything seemed on the up and up, and I was like, this is great. Like, no problems at all. What is everyone talking about? Like, <laughs> where, when, where's the catch, you know? Which confused me. <laughs> Catherine was very confused. Was because so you confused. struggled in the beginning. Oh, I so struggled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm over here, like, everything's yeah, great. <laughs> and then there was a week where I was very confused again. And I felt the urge to run away. And that's mm-hmm. what I always do, mm-hmm. especially with religion. I enter and I'm very positive and then something scares me and I head out the door. Mm-hmm. And I kept praying to God like I don't want to run away again. Like I'm tired mm-hmm. of like running over running away over and over again. And that I kind of wanted to like weather this storm, you know, maybe that might be uncomfortable right now, but maybe there'll be light at the end and I'll understand, you know, why I'm here and why mm-hmm. I'm pr- why I'm pursuing God in this way. And so I did. And, and honestly, like getting over that week, like getting through that week, I've come out so much stronger. And mm-hmm. it, even in that group, the RCIA program, it's like they all like noticed maybe I was getting uncomfortable. And now they ask me like, does that make sense, Madison? Or like, how are you feeling about that, Madison? Like, it, and it's helpful. And like Catherine, every day, I feel like I ask her a thousand questions, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what did Jesus say? Or like, what? <laughs> so it's been great. It's It's been so good to learn the faith from the inside out. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. And especially going back to like, it's interesting to me that you say you always run away. Yes. And yet you're also comfortable with the uncomfortable and uncertainty. Uh-huh. So like maybe you're at a space now where you're ready to just be uncertain and keep going and see what happens. Exactly. I think, I think it's, I'm looking at it so much more, like, uncertain, but staying put. Mm -hmm. Like, exploring deeper, you know? Like, not, like, just running off in different directions, but, like, how do I, like, learn deeply about this one area of my life, you know? And, like, when you dig down, sometimes there's uncertainty just there in that one place. You know, I don't have to, like, go, like, explore every inch of the world right to have uncertainty like sometimes it's just like sitting with something you really get to know it and you just like all these layers keep coming off and that's really cool too so for both of you madison exploring the catholic church catherine being a new convert to the catholicism like the church certainly has messiness in it Mm -hmm. and and certainly 
certainly does now medicine as you're considering it. And Catherine, I mean, only, what, 18 months ago? About, yeah. Um, so definitely the church was in the throes of some scandal and yeah. some serious things that were not something somebody would typically walk toward. No. <laughs> so what is it about the church and the faith that still draws you in despite the messiness? For me, I think at some point I had to give up looking for or hoping for not even a, not even a perfect church, but a mostly great or, you know, good 90% <laughs> of the time sort of a situation. Um, and it, it got to a point where I believed enough of the things about the Catholic Church or the teachings of the Catholic Church that I sort of had a choice between doing it alone and coming in and doing it in a messy community. Hmm. And I, I was realizing recently, thinking about this, that that really was, that was the choice to make, is to be sort of a, a free-floating, I go to Mass sometimes, um, and that wasn't, that wasn't going to cut it for me, so I came in. I'm still not always 100% comfortable here. There are scandals, there are things that I find concerning and heartbreaking, but I, it's the, it's the best place for me to be. I can't be anywhere else. I just mm. sort of, I am Catholic now. I'm not raised in it, but it is my family and it is, I like the idea of staying put. You sort of weather the storms, mm. you stay inside to try and make things better. Um, you don't give up on friendships always mm. when they get a little messy and this is a, a similar sort of relationship and it's um also just a good um a good structure a good sort of safe space within which i can have occasional spiritual tantrums and <laughs> sort of contained and supported by that structure as messy as it is as frustrating as it is sometimes it makes it makes sense for me to stay put hmm. yeah there's something really beautiful about that too mm-hmm. that just the commitment and the same put, and you're right. Like, there, if you're looking for a church that's even ninety percent of the time good and right, and you know that that's you're not going to find a community that's so perfect yeah. that every little thing is going to jive with you. So, finding the best that suits you and is in your heart, God's calling you to, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And Madison, I think for me, I. What you just said about where God is calling you, I fully feel that God is leading me in my life now, and I made that decision months ago that I was going to let God lead me from Mm. here on out. I don't want to even pretend like I know what I'm doing in my life because I don't. (laughs) And when I made that decision, I ended up here at the farm, and it when then all these things just kind of started falling into place and I think it makes sense that I'm here now you know and like I didn't I didn't try to you know work on like this farm like you know it just it just popped up and I was like oh okay that sounds great and then it didn't I wasn't trying to become Catholic I was just given this path and I Mm. felt God there and so I kept going and I think until I f- don't feel like God's leading me there anymore, I'm just going to keep going forward, you know? I'm just going to yeah. keep going. It just, 
that's just how my brain works. Like, I just <laughs> want it to be that simple, you know? And I, I'm lucky to, to be here at the Sisters of St. Francis because I've never met such open-minded and endlessly loving people mm. in my life. To always be with people who, you know, care about the earth. Like, Mm -hmm. that is, like, everything to me. Like, that is my heart. And so, like, to have a community of sisters, like, who also do that and love God, too. Like, oh, my gosh, yes. Like, (laughs) let's talk about, like, the meaning of life and sustainability. (laughs) That's, like, my cup of tea right there. (laughs) So, again, like, that has definitely pulled me closer. And I... Again, like, I come from that, like, environmentalism background. That's what I did at Penn State, and that's, like, what I continue to do in my career. Um, And so I just, I think it's God. I'm, like, looking, I'm, like, I see what you're doing. Like, you put me here with, like, all these other, like, like like-minded people and a daunting religion, and it all just made it so seamless. Like, it just, it's easy, you know? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. I think, like Lewis said before, with the call and God, mm-hmm. God knows what's God, what God's doing. And sometimes we ignore it, and then suddenly, and it, it all makes sense. And and part of that is the whole t- hindsight's twenty twenty. Yes. We look back on our journey, and we're like, oh, uh-huh. that's <laughs> that. Okay, God, I get it. <laughs> I'm glad I said yes, and I get it now. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that, if we can hold on to that clarity mm-hmm. of the past we can use it for the uncertainty in the future. Yes. Yeah. That we can say, okay, well, God was there before. God's going to be there mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. Um, which is very much a charism of this community, believing in the providence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very beautiful. So thank you both so much for your time and your yes. sharing of your stories and being so authentic and real with us. We really appreciate it. I appreciate this space that you've created. Like It's, yeah. it's really nice to, to talk about it. Well, good. Thank you. Well, I hope that the conversations continue. Yeah, they will. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Again, thanks for joining us. Keep the questions coming. Call the Brewing Faith Hotline to leave your questions to be aired on our show. 610-558-6797. Or email at brewingfaith at osffilla.org. We look forward to sharing a cup of your favorite brew next month. Remember, the future is bright if we bring the light.